You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Monday, November 28th, 2022. I am Dave Biddle. I'm very happy to be joined by Steve Hellwagon and Patrick Murphy. Patrick Murphy coming to us live from a local bar here in Columbus. Big soccer aficionado checking out the World Cup. So, Patrick, taking time to join the podcast even when you're watching World Cup soccer. I appreciate that. Yeah, well, A, it is my job, and B, uh, there's plenty to talk about. And, uh, you know, maybe if Ohio State had won, we'd have – I'd feel less inclined to let you and Steve handle it, but I think this is a, a big show that we needed the three of us to to get in on. So put soccer aside for a few minutes. Yeah, Steve, let's start with, obviously, um, what went wrong in the game. The thing is, there there's like so many things that went wrong. You can't just say one or two things. I mean, it was poor coaching, lack of adjustments, poor execution by the players, dumb penalties. I mean, there's just so much blame to go around. It, it's silly. Um, where do you... What went wrong the most in your estimation, Steve? Yeah, it's kind of like the shorter list would be what went right. Um, every break, every break went Michigan's way, and um, you make your own breaks in life and in football. Ohio State was its own worst enemy, obviously with the penalties. I mean, you can't headbutt uh, an opponent in a game of this magnitude and expect to get away with it and not cost your team. And uh, so, you know, I just look at it. Uh, I'm putting a note out here just real quick. But at uh, any rate, uh, it just, uh, to me, uh, the coaching, I think you could, you could see in the weeks leading up to this, they were outcoached at Northwestern. They were – outcoached by Loxley of all people at Maryland the week before and very nearly lost that game. And now uh, woefully, woefully unprepared and, and outcoached in this game. And, uh, you know, I'll start on offense. Uh, again, the play calling when you had the two scoring opportunities in the first half, I harped on it and asked about it after the game was atrocious Two side to side screens and then running plays with your injured running back uh, just, to me, make no sense at all. Uh, no wonder you had to settle for a chip shot field goal and uh, turned it over on downs. And that opened the door. 
I mean, I sat there and Pat will tell you, I told him, I said, this is not a good thing when you're not taking full advantage of the scoring opportunities early. And then they hit that one pass and they've left them in the game. And now you've played 20 minutes of this game and the score is tied and you have outplayed them for 20 minutes and the score is tied. And eventually they took the lead there in the first half. Michigan did on a, a terrible play. Um, you know, uh, the, 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 the coaching bites you on offense with the play calling. Okay. You didn't put your athletes and your quarterback in position uh, to, to, to win the game. The coaching hurt you when you didn't play your best available players. Dallin Hayden, back-to-back 100-yard games, has two carries in this game because they were afraid he might fumble against Michigan or something. Bullcrap. Uh, play your best players. Play your healthy players. Play healthy players, you know, is kind of what I screamed about for weeks. So that's, that's all coaching. That, that's 100% on the coaches. Offensive line, to me, I thought they did a decent enough job. It's hard to grade them in the run game because you had the wrong people carrying the ball. Chip, chip tray on them, God bless you. Dallin Hayden carries, you know, those 14 times, maybe he gets 150 yards. So uh, defensively, no pass rush. I have wondered whether uh, Jim Knowles would have uh, kept – Larry Johnson, if he'd had his druthers a year ago. And we're going to find out because uh, they made changes last year after that disaster. And uh, not, you know, Larry Johnson's an institution, uh, certainly doesn't deserve to be fired. But, you know, I think it's time for some new ideas and go in a new direction. Um, the the production that you wanted to see out of JT Tui Maloal and Jack Sawyer never materialized. Uh, JT Tui Mulao has had one game in two years that you could really, you know, hang your hat on. And, uh, you know, Bosa and Young, they did not become. And that's just the fact of the matter. Not an indictment of those kids, not necessarily an indictment of Larry Johnson. Just time to take it in a new direction, I think. So, uh, and then the secondary, you bring in an NFL guy, Tim Walton, and you bring in a guy who coached All-Americans and a Jim Thorpe Award winner from Cincinnati and Perry Galliano, and they don't know the coverages. Uh, of course, you know, they're banged up all season, so you got guys coming and going. Haven't been developed. Uh, don't have the talent level because the recruiting on that side of the ball was abysmal uh, for the three or four years there. They didn't recruit any blue-chip players on defense, particularly in the secondary um let's see what else um forget what coverage you're in get beat on a double move like a rented mule um miss tackles and when you're beaten for what seems like you're going to give up a touchdown you just blatantly foul the guy in the end zone and let him have the ball at the two yard line for an automatic touchdown does that check all the boxes I think, uh, again, some of it is personnel. They're just not good enough. They need to get in the portal. They need to figure out whether Hancock or J.K. Johnson or whoever's the answer, um, you know, uh, you know, Cam Brown and uh, uh, Hickman or you know, whoever, you know, whoever's leaving, you know, thank you for 21 and two over two years, whatever the record was, but um, – 
you know, it's time time to move on with better players, to be quite honest with you. If you expect to win at the highest level in college football, you need to have better players than what we've seen from Ohio State. And the Maryland game was the clarion call that something is definitely wrong. Every starter on defense gave up a big play or fouled in the end zone to give them a touchdown in this game, plus the nickelback Cam Martinez. So it is a soup to nuts, A to Z, 1 to 26, side to side, total indictment of players and coaches. And, um, you know, got to hit the reset button, I think. Uh, they, they need – I mean, you put this team on the field against USC and Caleb Williams throws for 450 yards, maybe in the first half. So, uh, I don't know. You guys, you guys tell me. that That's some of what I saw. But, but I just harped quite a bit on coaching, and there are definite talent deficiencies in the secondary, no doubt. Patrick, Steve broke it down really well there. What, what would you like to add? What went wrong? Um, you know, or, you know, nothing went right, it seems like, as Steve said. Just uh, what would you like to add to that, Patrick? I think Steve covered a lot of, of the things. I think you know, I've talked to a number of, of friends of mine, of people that just came up to me to rant on Saturday night when I was out and about in Columbus. Um, and rightfully so, you know, I, anyone who wanted to talk about it, I was willing to talk and let them just vent. Look, I do think that there is some obvious, um, you know, overreaction, you know, the, the, the fire Ryan day, I've seen it in our comments here, Look, they're not firing Ryan day. He's, he's done too much, right. But I think it's fair to start questioning Ryan day much more than we have. And, you know, this is now a, a second round of coaches that he's brought in that haven't gotten the job done on on the biggest biggest stage when you're an Ohio State coach, and that can't be the case. Um, to me, if it, you know, not even talking about this specific game, I'm wondering a little bit about Ryan and and the way that they have handled things. Just because, look, Jim Tressel, Luke Fickle, Urban Meyer, Ohio guys, Ohio State ties. Um, Ryan Day doesn't have that and they recruit at a national level at this point. And so they have fewer and fewer guys that grow up with this rivalry, be that Ohio kids or kids from the region who, who watch this game. I mean, just this past week, Emeka Buka told us he grew up and, and didn't watch Ohio state Michigan. So, you know, how can a kid like that understand the rivalry at the same level as a kid that grew up in Ohio and, and, you know, you can teach them and, and all that. And obviously they've done that in the past. Urban Meyer did a great job with that. Jim Tressel recruited guys that weren't from Ohio that played well in this game, but there's something they're missing about this game that Michigan has, has flipped the switch on. Now I will say that Michigan was patient with Jim Harbaugh, who just a few years ago, everyone wanted out too because he couldn't beat Ohio state and win the big game. So there is a, a chance to flip this back around and it's not going to be easy but everything they did, and I wrote this after the game, everything they did this past offseason, all the talk we heard about you know, the, the Michigan periods and, and how much this game hurt, and, and I'm sure it did, but it didn't work. And so you know, you've got to do something different, and that starts with the man up top at Ryan Day and you know, then to Jim Knowles and, and on the way all the way down. And, and as I think Steve broke down a lot of the stuff perfectly that, that happened on the field, but off the field – there's got to be a different approach. Um, you've got to make this game matter again because, look, you could still backdoor your way to a college football playoff and a national championship even. Um, and I know that's not what people want to talk about right now, and I don't think we should, but that doesn't mean that this season was a success. You lost to Michigan. You got your butts kicked 
on your home field, that's that's one of that's the first goal Ohio State has to meet. Right? They said it time and time again this year: beat Michigan, win the Big Ten, compete for a national championship. And you failed that first one. And the, you know, there's there's some pretty clear reasons why. Steve, what are your thoughts on Ryan Day? He's getting a lot of heat, and rightfully so. I don't think he should lose his job. I agree with Patrick. It's a moot point. He's not going to, but I'm, I'm certainly not calling for him to lose his job. Now, if we're having the same discussion a year from now, maybe that's a discussion to have if they lose to Michigan again next year. Um, I thought Ryan – we've had a lot of commenters say this. I said this in a post-game uh, podcast. I thought he coached not to lose. I thought he coached a very conservative game, and that – you just cannot do that. That reminded me of John Cooper um, – just, you know, tightening up in the game. What would you like to say about Ryan Day, Steve? Well, I think everybody likes Ryan Day as a person. He's not an objectionable person. Uh, he's a very good person, uh, very good in the community, very good with players. And uh, so I think that this the, these are not easy things to, to discuss. If he was an objectionable person, um, then it would be easy to, to throw him under the bus and say, oh, this is an awful person, get rid of him. Well, he's not. He's a very good person. So I think that it makes it difficult to, to speak about it. But um, they said all the right things. They did all the right things. They worked hard in the offseason. And this was a game that with their conservative play calling in the first half, as I've harped on, they allowed – they built a monster with Michigan. And they allowed Michigan – when they hit that pass against zero coverage, and this comes back to Knowles as opposed to Day, that he gambled. He was going for the kill shot on that play. They were going to bury the quarterback back at the five-yard line, maybe force an interception or something, and win the game with eight minutes to go in the second quarter – Instead of playing the long game, which they gambled and they lost. And that was a terrible, terrible decision in hindsight. And hindsight's always 2020. We know that. But um, to me, um, the, the, the conservative play calling killed them. That opened the door. That was the first point of the game where they were headed toward losing it. Um, then I think he loses the team in the second half when they get it to fourth and manageable and they don't go for it twice, particularly after the first and 35. They had got it back to I'd stopped watching because I just kind of conceded the punt, and especially after they ran it on first down with, you know, Chipper Trianum, you know, picks up four yards on first and 35. And you're thinking, you know, the old trestle mantra, don't, don't doink up my punt. But, um, I, I I think that they lost the team and subconsciously the team quit. When you give up long touchdown runs of 75 and 85 yards to end the game, um, the defense was left out there for dead the entire second half with no support from the offense that didn't sustain drives, that didn't score points. Um, I think after the last time they turned it over, it was like, we quit too, you know, kind of, kind of thing. And that's, that's what you saw. I mean, those two long runs again, that comes back on Knowles too. the, the defenses he had called, but uh, trying to gamble to get a turnover to, to get the ball back or whatever. I don't know how you explain those two running plays. Uh, that's, you know, that looked like Shiano from 
three, four years ago against TCU or, you know, whatever, where they, you know, had the 90 yard run or whatever that was. But uh, it, it, you know, harken back to the nineties with day. And there've been a lot of Cooper comparisons. I know Bax called him John Cooper jr. Or whatever. We already have a John Cooper jr. There was a John Cooper jr. Um, he held the, he held the court for daddy, you know, they're on the sideline. Um, I hate bringing up Cooper's name because I like Coop and, you know, Coop ultimately, you know, did have some teams that did accomplish some things, but 93, 28 to nothing. Then you lose the heartbreakers, 95, 96, 97 and Michigan state 98. I mean, that's five losses that cost you shots at a national championship. That's what this felt like, you know, and and of course it was similar to 93 because it was lopsided. Worst loss at home since 1999. Worst loss in the series since 1976 by margin. Um, you know, the, a lot of worsts and firsts, and, and none of them were any good. So uh, they got to do some real soul searching there today and realize that their way of doing things was great in 2018 and 2019 and 2020, but the world has evolved a little bit. And, um, you know, there's a lot more that could be said. Um, the lack of the quarterback running game, you know, you take that dimension completely out of the offense, makes you much more easy, much easier to defend. And uh, Michigan showed that on Saturday. Patrick, I know that you noticed a stark difference. And obviously, Ryan Day was way too conservative, played not to lose. Uh, look at the flip side. Michigan played to win. They, they couldn't throw the ball down the field all year. Uh, they could on Saturday, and Ohio State never adjusted. Michigan was aggressive, and Ohio State was passive. Yeah, and I think, you know, the plays that stood out to me <clears throat> were, I mean, there's there's a ton of them that we could look at, but Michigan going for it on fourth and one um, in their own territory, I think it was in the third quarter, like no hesitation. The players knew. They, they went for it. They got it. The, obviously, the jump pass that they ran, that was a former linebacker. And it was well executed. And you know, the pass was a little short, but it, he was so wide open that it didn't matter. And uh, then, you know, obviously, and there's been a lot made of Ryan Day punting the ball um, in, in Michigan territory where C.J. Stroud wanted to go for it. And I think stuff's come out today about, okay, maybe they were going to do a fake punt there that, that didn't work because of the backup long snapper being in the game. And, you know, maybe that changes thing if, if that comes off and, and, you know, we're crediting Ryan Day for his creativity there. But, look, Jim Harbaugh came into this game with things ready to go to beat Ohio State and wasn't worried about losing the game because of going for it on fourth down or things like that. And, and Ryan Day, over the course of his time at Ohio State, has become more and more cautious. If you go back to, to kind of those Clemson games, I thought Ryan Day coached those really well, even the one that Ohio State lost. Um, you know, they were aggressive. They took shots downfield. This has just become more and more about trestle ball almost, you know. And Ryan Day said after the game, you, you play field position those type of games. No, you can play field position against Georgia in the national championship game if you want because you think that that's the approach. This is the Michigan game, and and the other team on the other side of the field wanted to win, and you wanted to not lose. And I think that was was pretty clear um, with, with just kind of those play calls. And I think that that also bleeds into the mind of your team when when CJ Stroud is pushed, telling the punt team to stay off the field, and Ryan Day is telling them to go on. You know, maybe you had the fake on, I don't know, but but that's you know, CJ Stroud then takes that to the sideline. The players take that to the sideline. 
okay, why aren't we playing to win here? And, and that just creeps into everyone's minds. I mean, I think that's where the game was ultimately lost. You had a shot to go down there and, and get things done, um, you know, make the game closer. And, and they just they gave the ball back to Michigan. Michigan had a long drive that took time off the clock that ended in a touchdown, and it was over. And you know, that you, you just can't have those type of play calls in a game of this magnitude. And that's where I think Ryan Dade has to – that's where he has to change right now is, is that approach and, and become that aggressive play caller again. If you want to change play callers, I think that's going to require hiring somebody to do it because I don't think anyone is, is going to uh, want Kevin Wilson. Think back to those Indiana teams. I'm not sure you want Kevin Wilson calling plays. I don't know what Brian Hartline would be like as a play caller. So I'm not saying you need to take play calling away from Ryan Day. He just needs to look in the mirror and find what made him so successful as an offensive coordinator that got him this job and, uh, you know, recognize what this game is and, and how you win this game because it's, it's not the same as other games, other big games. even. All right. Let me ask you guys this. This is the hot debate. And if it comes down to Ohio state versus Alabama for the number four seed in the college football playoff, 10 and two Alabama, 11 and one Ohio state Bama's both losses on the road, last second plays LSU and Tennessee. Ohio State's lone loss, or excuse me, yeah, their lone loss at home to the number two team in the nation, but you got smacked by 22. My gut feeling, I'm not saying this is right, is the committee would take Alabama over Ohio State in that scenario. Let's say USC loses to Utah. Every Buckeye fan should be a big uh, Utah fan this week. Let's say USC loses. It comes down to Bama or Ohio State. Steve, you go first. Who gets in, Ohio State or Bama, if that's a scenario? I think you could make a case for either team. Um, I think that, um, you know, I mean, Alabama doesn't really have a signature win. Texas and Ole Miss are their two best wins. And Texas is ranked, obviously. Ole Miss fell out of the rankings this week. Um, Ohio State's best wins are Penn State, Notre Dame, and Maryland, maybe. I don't know. I don't even know who else Ohio State played that has a winning record or, you know, uh, probably some other teams. I don't know. Uh, they beat Wisconsin. They're six and six. Um, beat Iowa. They're seven and five, maybe. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. Um, as I say, you can make a case for either one. I mean, what, what do you value more that, that Alabama was right there, um, with Tennessee and LSU and lost on the last play both games and they have two of those losses or does one lopsided loss equal two close losses? I, I don't know. Uh, Ohio state's got a better win. Certainly with Penn state is now clear up to seven or eight in the poll. Um, we saw what the AP poll and the coaches did uh, both dispassionate have nothing in the fight kept Ohio state with one loss just ahead of Alabama and the mat, the margin in the voting, as I looked at it, wasn't even really that close. So the predominant number of ballots had OSU at five and Alabama at six or lower. Uh, so um, I don't know. Um, that, that's, that's such a tough one. Um, I don't know how are we how are you rating them how are you what are you considering I mean the eyeball test would tell you that Alabama is playing better football right now Ohio State has kind of stumbled to the finish line here other than the Indiana game they really didn't play great football down the stretch 
uh, what, uh, you know, any of the, the last several games. So, um, man, I tough one. I mean, uh, Herbie said – Herbie's got a kid on the Ohio State team and said Alabama should have the spot. Now, people are saying, oh, he works for ESPN. They have a vested interest in ESPN. His son is well, on the team. ESPN, right, right. ESPN also has a vested interest in making money. And the Fox broadcast with Ohio State and Michigan is the fifth highest broadcast for college football in the regular season in the last 30 years. They had 17 or 18 million people watching the game. Um, you know, Alabama doesn't draw that kind of crowd. So uh, I don't know. Um, you know, and that shouldn't even really factor into it. It should be that the quality of the teams. I'm just saying that this is a guy who people believe his vested interest is in Alabama, and yet long-term it is. But uh, in the short term, I think it should be in, in making money for his company. But um, I don't know. It's uh, it's a, it's an interesting discussion for sure. What do you he, think? And, and Dan Wetzel had the perfect point. He said, you've got the top four right now. How do you put somebody in who didn't, quote, play their way in at the 11th hour? They backed their way in. Uh, you're going to have somebody play their way out unless TC or USC gets blown out. Shouldn't they still have the spot? Even if USC loses by a field goal, USC with two losses should have nothing to do with this playoff, in my opinion. If USC yeah. wins, they're in. If USC loses, they're out. Yeah, they're opinion. two different discussions, I suppose. Yeah. And I think it's going to come down to Ohio State. And if USC loses, it'll come down to Ohio State and Bama. Patrick, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. If that scenario does pan out, do the Buckeyes go or do the Crimson Tide go? Well, you know, based on what the committee has said all year, I don't see how you take Alabama over Ohio State because they've made such a case for big, for good wins. And Alabama, as Steve said, doesn't have that. Notre Dame, yes, they just lost, so they'll drop some, but Penn State probably going to be in the top 10. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the if you look at the way they valued losses, the big losses haven't been that big of an issue. You look at LSU, and uh, you know, they don't have great losses, uh, but they've climbed their way back up in, into the conversation until last weekend. Alabama has lost to two teams that aren't very good. Uh, you know, the committee has, has valued LSU, but it, we saw last week when they lost to Texas A&M, that, that's not a very good football team. So, look, I don't, I don't know if Ohio State is deserving to get in right now, but they certainly – I think are more deserving or they would get in, in my mind, based on what the committee has said. I've been on each of the calls this year, listening to the committee chair, Boo, Boo Corrigan talk about it. And they've valued Ohio state quite a bit. Um, you know, they, they've kept them above Michigan when people were, were calling for that to, to not be the case. I mean, they've, they've been the number two team in the country, pretty much the entire rankings. So, you know, there's, there's still value there. You have one loss to number three. Um, I don't see how, if, if that scenario plays out now, if TCU loses a close one in the, the Big 12 championship game, you know, maybe you have a, a conversation about a TC, one-loss TCU over a one-loss Ohio State that actually played in their Big 10 championship game – or played in their conference championship game, sorry. Um, but I, I don't see how, given what the committee's told us all year, how, how they would value what Alabama has done unless it's name recognition exclusively. Now, that's funny because each week I've tweeted out that the committee loves Alabama because they have kept them up as high as they have, but I think the committee also does love Ohio State, at least up through, through this week. Steve, I know you want to chime in on this as well. Um, what do you want to add to that, Steve? 
Yeah, we're tearing down Ohio State for the first 20 minutes, and now we're trying to decide if they deserve to be in the playoff. You got to <laughs> love college football, guys. This is the, you know, it's, it's not like the NFL or Major League Baseball where you got to have the exact record and qualify to get in and all that. But uh, the only thing I will add is I think we need to watch what the committee does with these rankings very closely this week. Do they have Notre Dame ranked ahead of Texas? Uh, the coaches and AP voters both have Notre Dame two spots ahead of Texas, like 19 to 21. The other one is Old Miss. Old Miss dropped out of both polls, but was 26th in the coaches poll and like 30th in the AP poll. And, um, you know, do they do the does the committee have Ole Miss lingering around down there at 25? I mean, they've gone in a total tailspin in November and uh, eight and four, I think, is their record now. Um uh, Notre Dame and Texas are both eight and four, but uh, you know what? What? What does the committee? I think the committee will tell us which 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 teams they value more if they give the nod to the SEC in both of those instances, and and, and Texas, you know, soon to be SEC, I suppose. But uh, you know, uh, an SE, an opponent of an SEC team, in this case Alabama, maybe we'll know a little bit more about it. People always like to read the tea leaves with where they rank these teams. Um, I don't know. I, I, I again, um, it's great to have knee jerk reactions. I mean, had they lost this game by a touchdown, I don't think that there's this much angst in the fan base, but. Uh, Man, to to talk about this and then go out on the field and do something, you know, just totally contrary to what you talked about all season long and all off season, and you know, no competitive stamina, no toughness, no physicality, at least in the second half. I mean, you know, it was not a thirty minute game; it was a sixty minute game, and Michigan just just clubbed them. And Patrick, I know you want to chime in on Luke Hamilton. Um, he said some interesting things on Twitter, I believe. Um, get into that if you would. Luke yeah, Hamilton. yeah. I, 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 if people saw it, I, Luke Hamilton, who was at um, the Ohio State game this weekend on a visit. Uh, and actually, there were two kids that committed to Michigan after the game that were at Ohio State for the game, uh, which is interesting planning by Ohio State because neither of those kids had scholarship offers from Ohio State, yet they let them come to the game and not have kids that they do like come to the game. But that's a whole, whole other topic. But, uh, you know, Luke Hamilton, I believe, I forget what outlet it was, but did an interview and, and talked about how, you know, he felt that Ohio guys were uh, not treated well when they visit Ohio State. And there's just the assumption that by Ohio State that Ohio kids are going to commit to Ohio State so they don't get the same kind of treatment when they're on campus as out-of-state kids. Um, I think it's worth pointing out first, Ohio State's recruiting the state of Ohio pretty well uh, in 2024 or 2023. Um, through one, two, three, four, five, six, six of the top seven kid, kids in Ohio are committed to Ohio State. So, look, one kid's opinion of how a visit went, and, and you know, maybe they didn't treat him well. I don't, I don't know. You know. Ohio State hasn't been absolutely flawless in recruiting, but you know, th this was a kid who was leaning to Michigan anyway. I'm not sure why he was at the game. Uh, and, and I'm not, I'm not trying to disparage anything he said, but the idea that Ohio state, you know, doesn't get Ohio kids or, or recruit Ohio the right way anymore, I think is, is a little off base. Yes. They've gone more national. And I mentioned that earlier, 
Um, but it, it was weird context that was getting thrown around without or weird comments getting thrown around without much context. And uh, there are plenty of kids. Bill Kerlick will have a story on our site later from uh, the number one recruit in Ohio in 2023, Luke Montgomery, who had a really good time uh, this week at Ohio State, even even with the loss. So I think there is uh, I think there is some context needed and, and some perspective on that. One kid's opinion is not everybody's opinion. Um, and that is obviously somebody who was planning to commit to Michigan because he did so almost immediately after the game. Great stuff from Patrick Murphy and Steve Hellwag. I appreciate you guys joining me for the show. Patrick, get back to watching soccer. Hopefully the United States wins tomorrow and advances to the knockout round. Thanks to Patrick and Steve. Thanks to all of you for tuning into the show. A somber show. Uh, tough one. Uh, thanks again to Pat and Steve. Thanks to all of you. Hope everyone has a great rest of your day. show is fire country i'm not a hero i'm in orange for a reason they're taking 12 months off your sentence you're free lady with a special epic season finale now that i'm out i need something to get me up in the morning you are a firefighter used to be that will be unforgettable in the name of your life's happiness go get your girl she's getting married tomorrow says when do you let anything get in the way of what you want the fire country season finale friday 9 8 central on cbs and streaming on paramount plus